0: All right, mm-hmm. we hear, we hear,
1: we me, we me, we me, That's how we get it in. That's how we (laughs) flip. That's how we get the energy going. Yes. All right, let's do the formal, semi formal. So, peace. Welcome to another episode of Sex on Shuffle. My name is Cindy Lee, and we got brilliance here today. We got some magic here. I'm going to let her introduce herself a little because we. Her bio is extensive. We will <laughs> add it onto the podcast show notes because we really just want to be present with all the magic that ensues when we get together. I love you.
0: Thank you. Thank Talk you. to me, Thank Queen. You. Like that—that—that that makes you shimmy right there, right? Hello, Hello beautiful humans. I am Queen. Uh, She/they pronouns. Clinical somatic sexologist. Those things mm. matter. Uh, 18 years in the game. Four years as a clinical sexologist. Uh, I come from a tri- trauma-informed crisis background. All the things in my own personal healing. 18 years in the game. It's so funny how my personal and professional healing, like, all started at the same damn time. Mm. So I'll definitely talk about that origin story. Now I am a yeah, a practicing sex therapist, erotic coach, uh, kinky. I don't know. Just like someone in her healing, who is fully showing up in herself in her body, um, with some with some gifts. Mm. Hopefully, share with that today. In the most humble sense, right? With just oh, some gifts, we're just gonna bless you a little bit just, today. Just give you a little taste of this sugar.
1: So, so with this amuse bouche, let's let's see how this unfolds because you and I stay on shuffle regardless. Saying, yeah. but you said some terms so we're gonna talk you said that you've been in the field so you've been in the field of like in terms of clinician work therapeutic
0: work for, for about 20 years yes like I came right out of undergrad mm. as an individual and family therapist like that mm-hmm. was my first role. you know so
1: like, what um what inspired the pivot to focus on sexuality or incorporate sexuality in that way and that's
0: exactly what it was incorporation. I think for mm-hmm. my personal life, like for my personal life, the sexuality sexuality was always part of the narrative. Um, and then as a therapist, sexuality themes continue to come up over and over again, gender, sexuality, and relationships. And yeah. like literally after you know two years, I was like, there has to be a training for sex therapy and that's when I actually found Widener, but this was like 2004. Mm. I didn't go to Widener until 2015, uh, 2014. So mm. yeah, it was very much in the beginning. I would just like, I, it was natural for me to include those themes, um, because that's how people were showing up for me. And it was just like, I need to be I need to be trained. I need to be... It's one thing to to be comfortable. It's another thing to be skilled in a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's how, that's how that started. And
1: that's interesting because you and I have a lot of conversations about what does it mean or how do we define success or legitimacy? Yes. Because, you know, I too went to Widener. We connected somehow through Widener or through our brilliant homies, through like yep. the Black yep. scholars or... Yep some conference right I don't even remember but I know it was love from jump yes yes so in in re re in in going back to or in reflecting on the reasons why you went to Widener but then looking now how do you feel do you feel the same way about um training or legitimacy or degrees because I know you mm-hmm. and I are both um, folks who have released or let go of PhD programs, yep. post yep. coursework, post, you know, ABD In the status. middle of
0: writing dissertation, it said, this is not right. supposed to show up and do this damn work. Um, yes. Yeah, so and that's where the personal informed the professional because mm. in my professional, in my personal healing, seeking to heal my erotic and sexual self, I was looking for healers who weren't degrees. Because it, it's it spoke to the fact one, I'm a black femme in the United States of America. Black sexuality, black bodies, black femme sexuality mm-hmm. has comes with all this respectability, politics, and shaming and things. Absolutely. So that was my first experience in recognizing that my sexual healing was not going to come from institutional spaces. Mm but also remembering that I am part of a system that requires a certain level of degree for access. Mm. So Widener became a way of access, um, access to practice and access to resources, but it was always informed by my personal healing and who I knew that showed up in this work who weren't degree people. Mm-hmm. think about the importance of generational and ancestral understanding and how a lot of Western, Western, uh, Western paradigms co-opted our shit. All of it. Yes. Right. Um, so I, I knew it, I knew it couldn't come just, it, I knew it couldn't come there, but in order to play the game, I had to play my part.
1: Mm. So it's being strategic in the midst of it, Absolutely. right? So, or is it something that you knew from the gate? Cause I know for me, I went into PhD, like, okay, I have to get a PhD in order to get some type of job or legitimacy, because what else can I do with a master's in sex at that time? Right. right. So for right. me, that came from you know, scarcity or like that fear of like, I need to survive. This is the end all. This is the achievement, the highest. This is what we have to do. Was it a strategy for you from jump or was it like, as you were going on these parallel processes of your healing, were you like, oh shit, fuck all
0: this? Parallel processes of um, absolutely positively. Because what I also thought too, was the inaccessibility mm. to, to sex positive pleasure centered work. Um, that I found honestly in sex industry you know I found in sex work I found those examples in in, indigenous healing Um, so it was like this parallel process and knowing that I also wanted to make the information accessible um, I started out as a as a love coach Mm. I started out as a love coach I started out I was like you know Dr. Ava Cadell, like I started out with this programming and education. Like I want to be a love coach, not just a sex coach. I wanted, I wanted all that, that emotionality and physicality. I wanted to bring all that together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was a love coach first. And in that recognizing my relationship to the system was, oh, wait, this is a cash service. That's not accessible to people who are cash poor, who don't have insurance. Right. Uh, also legitimacy wise right a lot of times uh you know larger systems minimize the importance of life and love coaches right or coaching in general absolutely and, but i found myself coaching in therapy mm, mm-hmm. i found myself using the skills of coaching in therapy which had me go and look at coaching to begin with mm-hmm. and be like oh I'm gonna bring this in and then you know capitalism was like well how because we ain't paying for it. Right, like, are you sure? Cause like that, Right, that training had to come out of my pocket. It wasn't mm-hmm. federal, right? Like, you know, student loans or like grant. It was like, so that's really when I was just like, oh, my relationship to capitalism in, in doing this work had to be looked at more closely. Like not only from a professional, a personal standpoint as a single mother who was raising a teenage daughter, but also, as someone who was who has the spirit of entrepreneurship and wanting to do this right, I had to learn some things.
1: Absolutely, because it, it everything feels so much like the both end and how these multiple truths can can coexist at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. And how, so, how do you have that entrepreneurship? have that passion for looking at the love and the intimacy piece while also working within a capitalist system trying to be anti-capitalist anti-capitalist anti-colonial etc
0: um I knew that I knew that I had to learn from other folks who were doing it Quite honestly, like you get to a point where you have to be humble about what you know, and what you don't know, and then the sources that you're going to seek out to fill those cups. Mm. Um, So it was also uh, um, some ego work. Like some eagle and shadow work. work shadow work hell absolutely positively that was the beginning of my shadow work quite yes because also too people want you know people want to mentor you for their benefit and not for your for your own mm-hmm. that was something I had to learn too and I had a former mentor who honestly who taught me the game about like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um one of the first things I did was get a, a certification in colon hydrotherapy most people oh know, wow! I was a colon hydrotherapist. So I came from this yeah. like gut health and understanding the relationship between gut health and emotional health. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the process, doing a small practice and that, that taught me. So from his leadership and from his mentorship, that's when I started to put the pieces together of like healing work in capitalism mm. and like how that shows up. Yeah. And that should have all connected. No, no pun intended. Like, for no. real. like- yeah. <laughs> yes and so when I recognized too in my own body my relationship to you know my body my relationship to my digestive system my relationship to my emotions and seeing the healing work like I left a relation 18 years ago I also left a very abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and when I left that relationship I left everything behind that was toxic for me Mm -hmm. family friends anything that was toxic for me So there, again, there's this parallel process of wanting to grow more in my healing and then using professional access, that mentorship as a vehicle to start me on that path. Mm.
1: And the connection to sense of community and sense of belonging while
0: trying to do this work at the same time. Absolutely. It was an older Black man who mentored me. Mm. Um, And and that, that was also important too, when you think about healing, you know, the relationship with masculinity, especially when I was coming from, and I was very in a very heterosexual space too. So I was a queer person who did not recognize her own queerness Mm. because it was pathologized, right? Um, But in this healing relationship with a black masculine person, I was able to affirm myself more. Mm. And then like, literally that's when the, the both ends became Intensely pronounced Mm -hmm. about who I was as a black queer person Mm -hmm. in my healing,
1: and in in an age bracket that doesn't get discussed often, right? We all we often think about folks who come out like as elders because they were closeted this whole time, or folks that come out at younger ages. Yes, and I was. What does it look like
0: to do that? Early thirties. That was my early thirties. I was in my early thirties. Early 30s. I was 35. I came up to my daughter first because she was 15. Mm. She actually came up to me. <laughs> the tenderness. <laughs> um it so literally that that was just like another layer, of like, oh, all these all these things are connected. So in my body, I knew this truth about the connection to community, the connection that that healing was a both and mm. that. I could do my private healing practice, but I also needed community. Mm -hmm. I I needed sacred spaces and sacred people to affirm, to have collective understanding about, as a black woman of African-American descent, to understand the racial and gender and sexual trauma and the complex trauma Mm -hmm. that myself, my family, my ancestry have all experienced. Like all of those things, came together in my mid thirties was like, oh, oh, okay. Which is very different because yes, I didn't see my narrative. Right, and and
1: there's so much power to that because no degree is gonna legitimize your blackness, your queerness, your fill in the blankness, right? No certifying body is gonna tell you how to work with your community. Absolutely. You know what I know, or at least in my experience, but I'm sure in yours, the majority of what we're being taught is through a white, Eurocentric, cisgender, hetero,
0: yep. christian yep. lens. Yes, yes. And all of it screamed wrong. Mm. All of it screamed wrong. You, in 2010, um, I worked in an in, inpatient psychiatric center for children. Mm. And a mother, a Black mother came to me and was like, Miss Queen, can you talk to them? Because you know how to talk to white people. And it was, it took my breath away because that shit Mm. wasn't a compliment. That was a testimony to the trauma that this woman was experiencing that she did not feel the power to advocate for her and her children because she had institutions who were already telling her that she wasn't enough to be Mm -hmm. Mm heard. And she's not gonna be listened to without this particular white speak. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely, positively. So yeah, it couldn't come from institutions. It had to <laughs> come from the culture. It came from the culture. Um, That's why I appreciate
1: the work that you do because you do have your clinical licenses and all those ducks in order for you to be able to do that work and process insurance in those particular ways. But you also have coaching services and educational services for folks that that isn't their
0: institution, right? Like, yes. So how does that work for you? what I recognize is that black people and people and people of color don't do healing the same. We don't do Mm -hmm. healing institutionally, Mm -hmm. right? We do healing in community. That's why our, that's why our institutions are important no matter how harmful they can get. Right. Sure. Um, So as a love coach, I used to do speed dating events and would have Mm -hmm. a mental health component to it. I used to do, uh, I had a, a blog talk radio show and come we're, on blog talk <laughs> right it's, and it's still up there as a political i use it as a way people understanding too i was in this very hetero sex the hetero space right mm-hmm. space, and how with work evolution happens um so i use my coaching in those ways my love coaching in those ways um some sex coaching for couples and mm-hmm. like that also informed the work that i do now as an erotic coach. And this and the services that I create as an erotic coach, um, knowing that this work is important, but mm-hmm. again, we don't, not everybody's gonna want people don't want to use their insurance to come see a sex therapist. Mm. You know, it's usually yeah. cash price. And and honestly, when you think about sexology as a as a organization or as a profession, it's largely inaccessible. Mm-hmm. It's not it's largely a class thing whereas people who have access right 75,000 or more people are making that are that are doing you know that are coming to us as clients right so the coaching became a my tool to say fuck that we can make this accessible for us right our folks aren't making 75,000 or above but again I that wasn't who I was focusing on right I was focusing on an eighth grade teacher I may not always get to the eighth grader, but I created an organization that helps me get to the eighth grader. So the coaching part has, and then teaching life coaches has been the part that helps me like bring it together.
1: Mm. Cause this gift, right? Like this information, this sexual liberation shouldn't have a price point. Fuck no. No. And we have to survive, right? Like, and we have to value our time. So like navigating that and and making it and offering up to a variety of folks.
0: Yep. And and seeing these narratives that I felt went unchallenged about, about our love and our relationship and our sex. And I remember Mm -hmm. the, the being Mary Jane, and there was one episode in which, you know, they gave the demographics about black women being in relationships or being married or being something. And I was like, there are so many people that they were missing. Not right. being married doesn't mean that we're not in relationships, right? Um, you know, it, it, certain things about. First of all, and it was focused on cisgender women and not trans, right? Women. You know, so I, there was there was things that I just saw in narratives that I was like, "There's more to it." And how do we get to have how how can I disrupt the narrative and add more to it? Right, and center
1: and honor all aspects of our system impacted identities absolutely and not just the ones that mainstream think are, are palatable for the moment or on brand yep right so with all that work that you're doing on top of us having a, a little bit of a conversation of how we busted our ass in graduate school work and doing phd work yes. to acknowledge that shit was not done in vain I'm very sure you're taking what you were cultivating in that dissertation process and putting it out, you know, without fucking PhD, without a dissertation, without those things. So yes,
0: let tell me about that. I started my private practice in 2016. Mm-hmm. I started the dissertation process in 2018 and I think I resigned in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, it was very methodical. It was strategic. It's always been strategic and I'm a Virgo and I'm a triple Virgo. (laughs) It is necessary for me to be very methodical and create systems because I know what my big picture is. Mm. Um, so I have taken the work that would have been my dissertation. um, and I've made it my, my coaching practice, healing the erotic self. So Come in my on. dissertation, my, my question was, what is the lived experience of sexual pleasure among queer Black women and femmes? Mm. Uh, in that, what I also knew too was womanism with an A still marginalizes queer identities and it's mm. not trans-inclusive. Mm-hmm. Part of my dissertation work was presenting womanism with a Y as an intersectional queer and trans-affirming Approach of looking at uh, femme sexuality um, yeah. is, and being pleasure centered to saying what is our lived experience of, of pleasure because there has not been research done specifically on that. So, creating from from my you know research, my, my healing work, um, my clinical practice, I created Healing the Erotic Self as a self paced home program that folks can do. Um, and that will be launched later on this month. And it, 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 womanism sacred circle was, was one of one of the things of that became like, that became like, this work needs to happen now. Like mm. all the institutions, all the documentation, dissertations still want you to center whiteness. And i refuse to center them. I was like, do you know, every story doesn't begin with y'all. Mm. And, and I had womanism sacred circle. I was already doing things in practice in real time that showed me that there is this decolonization process. And I don't mean, I mean, from decentering, you know, dominant narratives rooted in white supremacy that I could center black sexuality, that I could be inclusive of people of color because black is expansive and also be queer affirming and trans affirming. And I can create a sacred space for that. Hmm. And I've had white women and black women tell me that it was fucking impossible. And I was like, you're not going to tell me that my lived experience is impossible. Wait, <laughs> like, hold on. Like, right, <laughs> right. So from womanism sacred circle, it gave birth to healing the erotic self life coaching program. Mm-hmm. And the life coaching program is now a major component of, of my platform and work. So thank you. I appreciate that. <sighs>
1: You know, I'm so proud of you. Like, like you're the (laughs) shit. Cause then it also, it's inspiring and motivating to folks because so, so often I hear from clients or from folks interested in doing anything entrepreneurial or anything within the field of sexuality. And they may, either they might not be clear on like the end goal or they just might not be clear, period. And to me, what you're modeling is you have a goal, but you're still present. And you're yeah. still centering folks presently and being in the journey. Because if not, you would have been yeah. like, no, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait till this is ready. I'm right. gonna wait for the PhD to finish. And instead you were like, no, we need shit now. What does that look like?
0: Womenism. Absolutely. And that, and that was exactly it. There's an urgency that I had been feeling and I knew it was building collectively. We see it, do we not, right? We're in the middle of a damn revolution, mm. you know? And And what we are requiring are people to address our whole self which is why the erotic self um, is so important because the erotic self is its whole self. Mm. Widener gave me access to Dr. Tracy Gilbert's work, a dear friend of mine and colleague, of, of the both, friend of both of us. And, mm. and from her work, she looked at black sexuality and there were eight channels with that came up over and over again. And she named those eight channels, the erotic self. So, eve, so even when people are just like, well, you know, where is... Where's the research? Where is the logic or the rationale behind this? Honey, Black sexual epistemology, like understand it. Dr. Tracy Gilbert's work informs my work. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I'm looking at my clients, we are measuring their channels of like how are they showing up in relationship to their body Mm -hmm. and how is that informing their relationship to others? Mm -hmm. And listen, we have something that's transformational that's going on. Transformational.
1: That's beautiful because then it also shows that there is multiple avenues of getting this shit done. Yep. Right? You recognize that a PhD ain't what it is for you, and yet we get to honor and be proud of our peers that did do it, that do have the receipts now in the ways that white folks you know, honor more.
0: Yeah, absolutely, positively. And you know, I think also too academic versus practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew the, the reason why I describe myself as a clinical somatic sexologist was because it is about the research of, of sexology and understanding like the relationship about sexuality and gender, which informs all of who we are. And it is not about compartmentalizing, it is about creating community. With the Tracy's, with the Zalekias of the world, who is decolonizing like pleasure with her pleasure model. You know, yeah. it, is, it is also too looking at other folks like, you know, Atlanta Tantra and looking at practitioners who, who have this understanding of embodiment
1: mm-hmm.
0: from a non colonial perspective.
1: Mm. And that's a perfect transition because I know you had mentioned in the beginning that uh, you do that clinical work, but you also incorporate somatic work with your clinical work. So what yeah. does that look like for you?
0: It looks like teaching people how to touch themselves mm. right? So to honor mm. to honor where sex work comes from about the relationship to the body and, and one person um, holding space physically to with for another what I recognize is that there are boundaries and hesitations and, and that prevent a professional from teaching someone how to touch or, or just the relationship to touch, right? Because kinship is what's also important too in healing. And we don't talk about that in institutions. We're taught to separate the self. And the right. one thing I noticed if I didn't show up authentically myself, I'm not I am not doing the work because part of the work is me showing up for myself. So that's about my relationship to the body, it's about teaching other people about their relationship to the body. So using somatic-based work, sexological, somatic-based sexology is a thing. And it's only been within the last year that's become more prominent with governing bodies because mm. of the shame that's often given to people who are kinky into BDSM, um, you know, that are given to people who are into sex, who, who are sex workers, who are doing this work. So the, the relationship to touch from a trauma he, from a trauma informed healing perspective, it seemed like something that was like, I would absolutely possibly be remiss, irresponsible, and all the other harmful things if I did not be very intentional about, I'm going to teach you how to touch yourself.
1: Especially now, right? Like, especially with the fact that how often am I hearing folks quote the body keeps the score which is a great book super helpful tool but i remember when that wasn't honored right like we didn't believe
0: that or we didn't have a connection to that listen because it's absolutely it's so amazing how trans person, like again uh western western things white supremacy co-op things and they give it names new ageism transpersonal mm-hmm. there are indigenous healing practices that people have had throughout continents but because they weren't commodified into something that can make somebody coin right it didn't translate into service delivery so now the body keeps score is literally about a book who looks at trend like meditation yoga mm-hmm. indigenous healing practices and says right. oh by the way it helps with harm it helps with like you know, harm reduction. It helps with uh PTSD symptoms and emotional regulation and compassion and distress tolerance. And I'm like, but our sages have been saying that for centuries, but through colonization, right, we've 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 lost that. We've been right. for that. Um so the somatic part became really important as a reclamation. So when we when I was thinking about decolonizing healing work, somatic work became the way I reclaimed indigenous practices. Mm. Right. Um, and then again, using, you know, Audrey Lord says the master's tools will never be used to will never be used to dismantle the master's house. Right. If you read it, she also tells you how to use the master's tools. So I'm going to use transpersonal to say energy work and spirituality is important for black people and people of color. Oh, and here's the research that says that because y'all already talk about this shit.
1: Right here's the, here's the receipts you wanted, but here's a variety of receipts because I'm also going to honor
0: qualitative and lived experience. Exactly. I'm going to bring it back to that to be like, here's where that, here's where that is applicable. Yeah. Um, and then what you see is, and what I've been seeing in doing this work, um, and developing somatic sex therapy from this, from healing the erotic self is mm. people like, Oh my God, I see myself. Mm oh my God, I see what my grandmother was talking about. Like it gives us, you know, it gives us self permission to show up. Liberation is about us giving us self permission. It is not us waiting for our oppressors to say, yes, we're legitimate.
1: Right, or making us have to shift to something that they think is more affirming.
0: Absolutely.
1: Until they get on the ball with what we think
0: is cool. Absolutely. And Um, healing. Here's the other way I can, I can, I have also used the tools. I've trademarked my shit. Talk about intellectual property, especially with black women and fans. Absolutely. Healing the erotic self is trademark. Uh, My, my, my media brand name, trademark. Like the other thing that I do recognize in doing this work too, is people are willy nilly about about citing their sources Mm -hmm. um and that was one of the things that i was just like all right i'm going to play the game that capitalism says um in protecting my work if for nothing else to be like i've been very methodical and i'm going to hold people accountable because somebody will always try you and that's fine, right but if you if you're in if if i come from the standpoint too if you make room for it it won't surprise you when it happens Mm. it's not being pessimist Right. The pessimist is stay it, ready. It, it, stay ready. Stay ready. Again, as clinical entrepreneurship, it, it really, clinical entrepreneurship is, is the thing that I want to teach and I will be teaching folks is if you want to, if you are a healing professional with a healing practice, how do you protect your practice and intellectual property? How do you make it a system so that way you have a larger impact And you still keep your damn sanity because capitalism requires a sacrifice but fuck if we need to keep self-sacrificing right and the way that we have utilized knowledge and and made different
1: avenues for ourselves based on whatever the systems are that we can do that in entrepreneurship we can do that in practice absolutely we absolutely
0: can